welcome back to this week's episode of The Queerians. I'm your host, Sarah Brown, and thank you so, so much for joining me. This week, I am joined by actor, singer, artist, James Arthur. And this week, we talk about media representation. Now, some of you may be asking, why is that so important to the queer community? Well, normally we don't always see ourselves represented properly in any form of media. Uh, It's a very cis, white, male world, and that's normally the type of representation that we see in the media. So I'd just like to read off some statistics uh, just to give everyone a little background information. GLAD recently did a study for studio responsibility, and in 2019, the eight major film studios released... Uh, 118 films. So the eight major film studios released 118 films and only 22 were LGBTQIA plus inclusive. In those 22 films, there were 50 LGBTQIA plus characters. 28 of those characters received less than three minutes of screen time. 21 received less than one minute of screen time. There were 36 male identifying characters and 14 female identifying characters. And for the third year in a row, there were zero trans char- there were zero trans characters. There may have been trans actors, but none of the characters were identified as such in these films. 66% of these 50 characters were white. 22 were black, 8% Latinx, and 4% Asian. So as you can see, we still have a really long way to go. Representation is so, so important to us, and we want to see ourselves properly represented in media. It inspires us, it motivates us, and it's important, especially for the younger generation. So thank you so much for listening. Sit back and relax and enjoy this week's episode of The Queerians. Oh, yeah. We're on the same level. I love it. So um, I really wanted to discuss today a lot of the media representation that uh, by POC folks, Mm, uh, mm -hmm. you know, face today. And that's a big discussion right now. We're seeing even actually, and I didn't even mean for this to happen, like five minutes ago, I got an email of like a letter that's being sent around for Art New York about the deep-rooted racism within that organization and how they're trying to make. Yeah. your face right now you're like yeah we know <laughs> and yep. we know gotcha mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah <laughs> you know and that's becoming a, a huge you know topic of discussion is what after this is all over what is theater what is the entertainment industry going to do about the mm. lack of representation and yep. in a way you know some people won't do anything it's still very isolated incidents right so what do you think uh do you think these letters are gonna work do you think like all of this conversation will continue yeah uh are you asking me now or are you prepping me for are we in it is this happening we're in it we're in it this is happening Oh my God, Sarah, I love it because you're like a cold open. You're just yeah. like, uh, oh, we just kind of like find our way into it. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Okay, yeah. Oh God, what was the question? Yeah, I think um, in general, I think I think it's hard because 
progress and change happens sort of slowly. Mm -hmm. And I think, but I, I think it is happening. And I think I always am sort of uh, reminded that I'm fighting for a future that I will never see, you know, that it's mm -hmm. not necessarily about me, but it's about what future generations are hopefully not going to have to experience because I literally stand on the shoulders of other folks. And I think kind of taking a step back because um, I, I think the theater world tends to be ahead of the game when it comes to Hollywood. But I think it's interesting to look and kind of see what Hollywood is doing as well, because it's the mainstream. And so then you start noticing, like, just how far we really are sort of, you know, going and, and, and coming. So um, if you just sort of like Glad just did their recent, uh, I don't know if you saw, but they did like their annual sort of report about LGBT inclusive representations. Mm hmm. And it was slightly better than last year's. So 2019 was a little bit better than last year's. I think it was like 18 um, percent. It's still kind of low. Oof, um, yeah, that's really low. <laughs> yeah. And then if we want to look at it even deeper, this won't surprise you, but uh, it was mostly uh, gay men that were represented in yeah. those. And But at the same time, though, GLAD also just tends to track um, some art house movies, but mostly just sort of like the bigger sort of media representations, right? Mm -hmm. And so there is work that's being done, maybe on a smaller micro level that mm -hmm. has queer representation and, you know, by POC queer representation as well. Uh, but like it is starting to crack into mainstream, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're getting, there was a little blink and you miss it in Rise of the Skywalker or mm -hmm. um, Avengers Endgame, which was kind of like, uh, kind of was there, but not really. Yeah. Um, so it's starting to crack. And I guess I'm always like hopeful for those cracks. Like I understand like we're the microwave millennial generation. We want everything fucking now, YouTube, you know, yeah, now, oh, streaming now. And I think like I can see the cracks happening and I'm I'm we just push even push even harder on it. Um something too that came out of this as well though, are you familiar with the Vito Russo test for LGBT characters? Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, yay, I'd love yay, to hear yay. about it. Yes. I just discovered about this too. So I think a lot of us are familiar with the Brechtel test, which, like, mm -hmm. I live and swear by. Like, every time I'm watching something, I'm like, does this pass the Brechtel test? Which is mm -hmm. uh, having, there has to be at least, there's three points if it passes fully the, for the Brechtel test. Like, yes. th there's two women, they, they both have names, they both <laughs> speak to at least each other for one minute and not about a man. And, mm -hmm. It's such a simple test that so many movies don't pass. And you're mm -hmm. like, but mm -hmm. how? But you know who does pass? Mm. Fast and Furious. Yes. I know. Swear to God. Sarah, I, oh, I believe you because I, well, I love the Fast and the Furious movies. Like, oh, they yeah. have grown like a fine wine, only better. They're diverse. There's mm -hmm. strong women in it. And mm -hmm. those movies make billions of dollars, which, hello, yeah. like, Hollywood is slowly starting to wake up to that, like, people want to see themselves represented. And if you're going to do a movie that's going to go worldwide, why not paint yeah. with a broad, bright, colorful brush? Because more people are going to come. You're going to make more money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. More people are going to want to see it. 100%. And so the Vito Russo test is, I didn't know that we had a test for us, but we have one. Yes, so amazing. it's if a character is identifiably queer, 
they are not defined solely by their queerness. And if they are removed from the movie, it would affect the plot. Now, that is a tough one for Wow. <laughs> yes. That's, I can't think. I can think of some TV shows that would yes. pass the test, but it's like Pose, 20s. Yes. Like, uh, yes. Me, like those type, those shows, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I think that too. So it's like then when we look at the broad, like the bigger sort of Hollywood. So yes, there's re quick, quick representation in like Rise of the Skywalker, Avengers, Endgame, but it doesn't pass this Vito Russo test. Mm -hmm. um, or even I think like Hustlers had a you know trans character in there as well. Blink and you miss it, but it's like at least it's on one end. It's like okay, well at least we're there and we're we're, we're showing up. Um, and I think one movie that recently knocked this out of the park, I don't know if you've seen it on Netflix, mm -hmm. but The Old Guard. Oh, no, I've heard about it though. Give yourself this gift. It okay. is, I I love action sci-fi movies. Like I love the mm -hmm. genre. Have I felt always included in it? Not at all. Mm -hmm. And especially at least like in comic books, like comic books have always been like, again, I think when you pair any sort of media into a smaller sort of group, or it's more niche. So when you have like theater or even like you said, TV shows, like they're not, there's not as many like big money hands involved yeah. in it. So they have more freedom to tell their stories. And so the old guard it has, it's essentially these a group of people who are immortal for whatever reason. And it's a diverse team uh, to the central. There's a two of the characters who are together are these gay men, uh, gay men of color. Uh, they're of two different sort of um, religious backgrounds. And it just it's just there. And, and they're a central part to the plot and the storyline. They kick ass there. It just and then the movie also stars. Uh, it's 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 the the two main characters are it's a, a Charlize Theron yeah. and a black woman at the forefront of this action film. And yes, it takes the tropes that you know of action films. And because it throws in this other layer of diversity into it, it just deepens everything and you feel so seen and so connected. And mm -hmm. the writer of the comic book, he also wrote the screenplay and he was adamant. He said this movie only gets done if these gay characters are in it as well, because it was so important to him to show that like, hey, people have been loving whoever they want to love throughout history. And mm -hmm. He didn't want it just to be like, oh, only, you know, straight white people get these powers. It's like people from all different backgrounds are getting this power of yeah. they can't of being immortal. So that to me is like, if this is where the future is going, then I'm here for it. Oh, yeah. I think, though, like, especially what you just said speaks volumes for the fact that, like, we need more black writers. We need more <sighs> yes. trans writers. Like, yes. We need more black casting directors, black mm -hmm. directors, like, because those are the people that are making these big decisions, like yes. executive producers, like mm -hmm. we need more by POC, POC mm -hmm. people in those positions of power that can make those decisions because and yeah and 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 going off that point too like the director of this is a black woman uh gina prince blythewood who mm -hmm. she's done beyond the lights she's done love and basketball she was going to Ugh. direct i'm gonna get super nerdy on you she was gonna yes. direct uh the spider-man universe which is different than the marvel cinematic universe yes they were gonna do a movie called silver and sable so it was like black cat and silver uh no it was gonna be silver and black i think Anyways, it's going to be Silver Sable and Black Cat. Gina Prince-Blythewood left that project. She ended up doing The Old Guard instead. And long story long, like, 
I think it's if, if a white guy was directing this movie, I don't think it would have been for one as diverse. The background characters, I always look at the background oh, in a movie yeah. because sometimes they'll be like, "Oh yeah, we have diversity in the people that have lines or like main parts," but then like you know the receptionist or mm -hmm. she had again they were paying attention to the world they're creating. And I think when you have a woman, you see this in movies that are directed by women or women of color or just people in color, it just tends to, the world gets more fleshed out. And I believe that's not only happening in front of the camera but behind the camera too. Oh, Dave. I've worked on some film sets. I have friends who have worked on films and it's a very white male dominated uh, yes. industry. And, you know, mm -hmm. I think about um, who won the Oscar for the billboards of Willoughby, uh, Judith, not Judith, not Judith Light. She did not win that Oscar. <laughs> she no. should have. She uh, should have. She, she wasn't in the, but it. they, I remember a woman like, when she won the Oscar for the bill, it was like the billboards of Willoughby something. Mm -mm, like her daughter mm -mm. got murdered and she like wanted the cops to investigate it. Mm. And in her speech, she talked about an inclusion writer and oh, how that- yes, I know who you're talking about. It's, oh God, of uh, Francis- Francis McDermott. Yes, McDermott. Francis McDermott. Yes, yes, yes. 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 She yeah, was yeah. the one. And that really sparked a whole conversation because yes. I had a lot of my film friends on Facebook and Instagram be like, hey, for anyone who's wondering what, what she said, yeah. like this is, you know, this is what she meant. And like- right. And I Michael B. Jordan has made it like a, a thing on his any of his projects that has to be an inclusion writer, that there's certain people that like are all about it. Like even like Reese Witherspoon has made like a complete like 180 if you watch her her now projects, like, you know, uh, if you've seen Little Fires Everywhere, oh, which yeah. has, uh, you know, queer representation in it as well. And that, that like, I think I may be a little bit spoiled because I pretty much won't watch something if it's, I pretty much everything I watch nowadays and what a blessing of the world that we live in with the world of streaming, there's, I'm pretty sure probably queer characters or at least diversity in it. Like, it's hard for me to watch a show that's just, it's got to be an amazing show if it's going to be just, you know, straight white people. And I Oh, don't... yeah, no, for sure. Like, it, there has to be, like, queer representation for anything that I watch now because I don't want to give anybody views. That's no, it. yeah. And the, what's so nice is that, like, I think what a golden age we're starting to live in because we are having that. Like, I think back growing up, oof, like, you know, I think the first gay show that there was was like Queer as Folk and that was oh, you know, no. super white and, you know, then there was like Noah's Ark. But like, again, like if you weren't, you know, black and queer, you probably weren't watching that. Um, but we had, you know, uh, Buffy on primetime. Uh, first sort of, I, first time I feel like I saw primetime really like seeing, you know, a gay story, but it was two white women. And, and then I think Glee, I think I really credit and rest in peace, Anaya Rivera. Oh, of I, course, yeah. So fucking heartbroken over that. I've been actually having nightmares about, like, Naya's been visiting me in my dreams. I don't know. Oh my but, God. But, like, Glee, I really credit Glee. Like, it's interesting because, look, I've been doing a Glee rewatch, and it really is, it's weird because in some ways, like, it, it definitely was ahead of its time, mm -hmm. but it, and it's, but now it's a little bit behind, right? Oh, it's like, very behind. Now it's know, very like, yeah. It's, there's still like, you know, I think it could be more diverse, but at the same time, it was, you know, 
um, pushing the envelope on a primetime television of featuring, you know, queer characters and, you know, Santona Lopez, a, you know, queer woman of color in high school. And her journey was a very interesting one that happened on there. And oh, yeah, well, I really I... Cre credit things like with Glee with the passing of gay marriage because it's just sort of put it in everyone's living rooms, you know, and, and, nor oh, and yeah. normalize things. Well, and also, you know, I think with Glee, it's important that like a lot of the pro the issues I have with Glee is that a lot of the queer characters weren't queer in real life. Mm, and oh, I, interesting. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know what I mean? And how I think do you feel about that? Like, how do you feel about straight people now playing queer characters oh it's not okay, okay. i'm so not yeah. i think that it's a form of violence almost mm. especially within like the trans community like when especially we're there yes. yeah. no. you know i think uh that is that's what it is like when you watch the i'm haven't seen it yet but the disclosure documentary on netflix yes. when they oh. i seen some clips of it and they were talking so about um eddie raymond winning the oscar for mm. uh i forget the name of the movie but you know it's sort of when you're playing a role of something you really know nothing about mm -hmm. and something that people are getting killed for you know right. like mm -hmm. seven trans women have died within the past few days and yeah. the media isn't paying attention but yet when they're straight cis white men playing mm -hmm. trans women or straight cis white women playing trans women or men or you know it's to me and i think for a lot of people like that's something that we really have to change like i think trans folks should play the only people who should be playing trans yes. characters are trans people yeah uh, and that's I, I, what I love about Pose is that it's Ugh. all like all the trans characters are mm. played by actual trans people. And like, yeah. that to me, you know, says a lot. But again, like we're still seeing things like, you know, Halle Berry had to turn down that role. We're seeing Scarlett Johansson saying, <laughs> but if these people well, can do it, like yeah. I can. <laughs> oh, ScarJo, she keeps trying to, well, she played a Japanese woman once. And oh Emma yeah, Stone so played, there's like, that. Woman. And Emma Stone was like, I'm half Hawaiian, so Get this out is of okay. here. No. It, you know, and it's so interesting. I am so with you on, especially with, I think trans people need, like should play their their parts and their, um, I guess for myself, I think with, like, I was teetering around with this because I'm actually working on a radio drama right now. Okay. And there is at a, at a queer theater company um, that I love. And it's great to be back home working with this theater company. And it's one of the longest running, you know, queer theater companies in the country, New Conservatory Theater Center. But there is a, a I believe, I mean, I don't know his full sexuality spectrum, but I do know that one of the actors, he's married to a woman. I mean, he's playing a gay character in the show and it's not, he's not doing anything like outrageous with it. You know, like he's yeah. playing himself who happens to be gay, right? Okay, yeah. And um, I just was so, I was thinking about that. I was like, it's interesting because 
when I first started working at the theater company, probably about eight years ago, when I was living here in San Francisco, I then had moved to New York and I'm now back here in San Francisco, I wouldn't have batten an eyelash at that, like a straight guy playing a gay character. You know, it would have been like, oh, wow, cool. You know, it's it, back then even it's like, oh, it's so brave, you know, like wow, that okay. straight char straight actors will win awards for playing gay characters all the time. But yeah, gay exactly, actors will. Which is will so not okay. <laughs> Right, totally. And it's so interesting because I think that was how I think the times have shifted and changed because I think, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago, it was like, we just wanted to like not be hated by everybody. And so yeah. it was a form of sort of allyship and just kind of showing of like, hey, whatever, they're going to kiss, you know, a, a guy. But now it's like, okay, okay, we can, we can, we can take it from here. You know, there's plenty of us who were already undercasted as it is, you know, mm -hmm. And this is an opportunity when you are casting a straight person in that role, you're taking an opportunity from a queer actor from getting a part when there's already so few parts for us as well. And mm -hmm. I think there is something to it. Like we're bringing something to the table, that journey that that straight person will not understand or have. Now, if they're on the spectrum of sexuality, which I do imagine everybody is, then yeah. That's fine. And I think that's why I'm not so, I'm not completely like, hey, you can't play that part because I don't know. Maybe he sucks some dicks in his time. I don't know. But yeah. So yeah. But I feel like there's also a difference between like sucking some dicks and like actually being <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I, I totally that's get That's true. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, like I oh, think, I experimented in college. You oh, know. Yeah. Like, that's, I think, what we're trying to push against is the, uh, this idea of like, oh, well, I like this, so must sure. be this, you know, well, like. And I think yeah. that there's something too, we as a society, and I w I'm going to put this on everybody's table to, to do. I think the challenging part is, is there's not space, like biphobia is so real. Oh in, my gosh. In, in every aspect, and not only in the straight community, but in the queer community as well. Mm -hmm. And 100%. so yeah. we squeezed it out. So it's like, there's mm -hmm. not even space for this person to just sort of be wherever they are, you know, mm -hmm. to be able to, to sort of live and exist there because, you know, and, and it speaks to everybody else's own fear of they're like, well, they're going to be attracted to everybody. Like, fuck you. Their sexuality has nothing to do with you and your own goddamn insecurities, you know? And yeah, that's, exactly. that's for everybody. Yeah, exactly. I think that in those ways, we've come very far. We still have a lot of work to do. And 100. 100%. Um, and I, you know, I think that people, especially like casting directors and writers who maybe aren't queer, aren't trans, or they're not POC or they're not by POC, they need to like educate themselves yeah. and like really be like, hey, like, why am I taking this project? Mm -hmm. Or like, what are these characters, me writing these characters? What is that saying? You yeah. know, because I think the issue is a lot of people think they might be doing so all this good, but in reality, it's like you're, kind of inflicting harm upon a community yeah. that you really have no experience in like for yeah. me like I don't I wouldn't write a play about like there's certain things I wouldn't write a play about or write a book about because I'm not I haven't experienced those things like I you know you brought up pose and and disclosure and that those I pose season two and disclosure pretty much made up my pride because you know we couldn't do pride indoors oh outdoors, yeah they made so. up like everybody's pride that oh, was God. the pride and disclosure like 
pride. Yes. And I think it's so interesting because it's moved sort of the needle for myself of like where the 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 queer focus absolutely needs to be. And it's with trans women of color specifically because oh, yeah. you have, to, and those are the stories that I think we really need to focus on telling um, because in some ways, especially like gayness has been just so, I don't know, it's so sort of mainstream at this point that it's sort of like, oh, okay, all right, you know, we we, we, we got that, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so now it's like, but, you know, everyone must fight for equality because you, it's a violence against yourself knowing that you're living in a community where there is inequality happening to somebody, you know? Oh, like, for there's... sure, 100%. <laughs> yeah. and, and I felt like, man, Pose season two just took the themes. What I loved about Pose season two is it removed the need for like the straight white character to be our vehicle into this world. Yeah. And just dived, I think, even fully into the experiences that, you know, trans women of color, you know, are, are experiencing. Like you said, like they, like, uh, they are disproportionately, you know, murdered or they're in it, like, what kind of jobs, like, there's a reason why they, like, there's so many of them who are, are sex workers, which again, there's nothing wrong with that as, as a profession. Sex work is the oldest job known to humankind, yes, right? 100%. Like, it is the oldest. All, yeah most noblest profession like mm -hmm. go, i love it but when a community is that's the only line of work that they can have because they can't do uh, they're not mm -hmm. they, they, they're, they're not no one else is going to hire them because of their own sort of you know bullshit pre preconceived notions i just felt like postseason two just took everything even to a deeper level and i think it's because what you're saying is who's behind the camera yeah the exactly writers, janet mock is there directing mm -hmm. like oh, it's her. It's interesting because I feel like it's a show that I think Ryan Murphy just created the space for it and I think mm -hmm. took a step back. And I think yeah. it's why it's one of his best shows. And I think that's why that's like what people should be doing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. if you have the money and you have the resources and you want to make a show like Pose and you are not you know, you're not a trans person of color, you're not trans or queer, and you yeah. want to, pro you provide that space and you step back. Because, you know, that show, seeing two queer men, mm -hmm. two queer black men making mm -hmm. love on my TV was the most beautiful, like, I am yeah. so excited for young for young folks, young queer folks to see that and be like, yes, like yeah. I can, like I'm, or even if it's just one person, like shows like Pose are so important because oh, if yeah. even just one young person out there sees that and is like, I'm going to go be myself. Yes. Like, I'm going to come out. I'm going to do that. Like they're, or they, even if it makes them create something like mm -hmm. that's the type of thing, like I want to see like yeah i want po i pose better get nominated for all the emmys all the emmys all the emmys because all like <laughs> it's i mean you look at the whole cast and they're so unbelievably talented they deserve Incredible. to be cast in all the things and yeah. like you're putting on a show that's on a major network like fox yeah. is like pretty big and yeah there, the issue is, I think, though, is that we're only seeing these types of shows, like, in isolated incidents. Like, Showtime has a lot of shows by Lena what? By Lena mm -hmm. Wave, mm -hmm. and then Pose on FX, mm -hmm. and, like, some stuff on Netflix, but it's not as universal, I feel like, as it should be. Like, yeah. I want... But I, I think, I think, I think 
it's definitely because we didn't even have this like 10 we were talking about you know glee was the only thing for the longest time you oh know? yeah for sure and so i think like it's sort of that progress that's that is happening and I, I I I totally with you. Like, and I, I think it's it's because too money talks and Pose is doing so well, and I think it's gonna get those Emmy nods, and then it's getting the ad buys and all that sort of stuff. So I think um, with that, I, it it will um, gleam even even more for it too. And I think it's too something that you were talking about is why representation matters is because it's how people feel. It, it feels feels seen. I've been saying this for the longest time, and I think why I personally started to shift my focus from theater and into Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can tell you exactly what the moment it was. It yeah. was at the Oscars when Moonlight didn't win, but then won, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And for me, too, Moonlight was the first time that I was sitting in a movie theater and felt scene like i didn't have to try to like see myself a lot of times if you are not like a you know straight white person you have to sort of imagine yourself in like oh i kind of see myself in that right like mm -hmm. for me moonlight was the first time that i directly was like oh okay whoa this feels very close like oh i feel seen this is my story being told or i can connect and relate to this on a deeper level that i never had sitting in a movie theater before and so when it didn't get fully its moment, I think some other shenanigans happened that year. Is that the year Casey Affleck won? I think I was irate about that. Yeah, I think yeah. Casey Affleck won over Denzel Washington and Fences. And that, to me, was so fucking ridiculous. Denzel Washington deserved so hard. Fences was so amazing. And frustrating that Denzel Washington has only been recognized when he played this, you know, drug dealer cop guy yep. right like yep. he's done so much amazing other things and i had this realization leaving this oscar party a little buzz and i was like oh a seat at the table because i understood why did it matter to me that these the, the awards and the recognition i know it's bullshit but it when you win an award it's can be a game changer for you you get mm -hmm. you get a seat at the table you're getting an invite into the room and hollywood is the most powerful place on the planet it is mm -hmm how America, it has helped to build this, you know, complicated, for better or worse, empire that America now is. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. we're here at this spot with great power comes great responsibility to quote Spider-Man. We're here now, we're at the forefront. And so with that comes a great responsibility. So, you know, with Hollywood tells people who's important, who's attractive, what stories are important, how history is viewed. And I was like, I want a fucking seat at that table, which is why my focus started to be more so towards, um, you know, uh, uh, digital media and, and Hollywood and TV mm -hmm. and film and that sort of a thing. <laughs> and then I moved to San Francisco because there was a pandemic. So yeah, you know, <laughs> that old chestnut. I'm just gonna do it. my, you know, have my seat from here. But yeah, anyways, like, so, I, 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 with that is like why it's important, why people see themselves and it's like a mirror reflected, their stories being reflected, themselves being valued or validated. And, and that's how we create empathy is through these stories. Like Pose has mm -hmm. been, I thought I knew about trans stories. I didn't know jack shit, you know, mm -hmm. through watching Pose and Disclosure is such, Disclosure is the new celluloid closet where, mm -hmm. Cellular so Closet sort of showed like, you know, specifically just kind of like how uh, gay folks have been represented in, you know, media and Disclosure takes it on a whole deeper level because it's like, 
if gays were being misrepresented or vilified, what do you think was happening for trans people? Exactly. Exactly. Mm hmm. And so it's definitely, and just sort of Laverne Cox knocks out of the park. It also just talks to about just sort of the, um, what I love about the documentary is it also uh, uh, digs even deeper. I love a documentary that can also sort of like show its own shortcomings, right? Yes. So when it also yes. will say, well, what kind of trans women were being shown at first? And it's mainly just sort of like, you know, white trans women, or um, they must be these, you know, beautiful, you know, trans women. And it sort of talks about that as well. But also too, the why that happens of where sort of, um, I'm probably going to get this wrong a little bit, but Laverne Cox sort of talks about how um, for so sometimes why some trans women are so glamorous is it's sort of like a sh it's an armor, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and that armor comes from like when she was just being her own self running around in New York, people would laugh at her. Right. But yeah. that's because when they had seen um, like when you see things like like, you know, Martin Lawrence plays Big Mama or yeah. Big Mama's house, like mm -hmm. it was done as such a joke because black men are so hyper masculine, uh, masculine, masculinized. Yeah, ma hyper masculine. Hyper ma you, they supermen, right? They have yeah, to. <laughs> yeah, or they're portrayed to be. Yeah, right. And and so the black men have also been so hyper sexualized. So there's a whole entire thing with that. So then it's like when a black man becomes a woman, it's hilarious. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think. So then Laverne Cox was like, well, fuck that. Like, I'm going to fucking be as fucking beautiful and glamorous as I possibly can. And then even taking that a step further is when you have like, you know, uh, some of these, you know, trans sex workers who were having to compete out there, right? Having to peacock and be the most sort of glamorized. And then those looks got, you know, taken into the ballroom culture, right? And so then they go into ballroom and they're you know, looking like they're glamorous eyes, uh, glamorous selves. And then, but some of those people are also sort of the, you know, leaders in fashion and industry, right? They mm -hmm. become the hairstylist, the makeup stylist, right? To straight women. And so it's sort of this interesting sort of look is like so much of our culture comes from trans women. Yes, 100%. Remember when Lena Wave wore uh, black trans women invented camp to the Met Gala? Yes. And yeah. like, that's true. Like a lot of popular culture references are coming from black trans women. I mean, all of the, like, I mean, look at RuPaul. Well, maybe not RuPaul. He's a little, well, I mean, you yeah. know what, but here's the thing is that, and I know, I think people, I think it's harder. I want to, because RuPaul is like 60, right? And yeah. so there is a generational thing. And I just, I'm always uh, cautious because I stand on the shoulder. RuPaul does not nail it perfectly. No. Right? He does. But I comes from a different generation and I stand on the shoulders of RuPaul to be able to critique how I think RuPaul could be doing it better. And I only say that because I know that when I'm 60, there's going to be people who are going to be calling me out for where I'm falling behind, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and so I, I give the snaps because yeah. RuPaul's been in the industry for so fucking long, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. didn't give a flying fuck about making it in the industry. RuPaul, like, the industry caught up to RuPaul. RuPaul did not catch up to the industry. Oh, yeah. And He's been in the industry for, like, over 30 years. <sighs> oh, my God. Yeah. And just hustling, doing his thing, was always kind of giving the middle finger to the industry, just didn't care. Like, and still to this day, doesn't care. <laughs> like, couldn't care two shits. And no. I think on the one end, like, I think 
you know, he's made for better or worse drag more mainstream. And mm -hmm. on the one end, there's some great pros to that because again, it's normalizing uh, it's it's normalizing what's hap what, what's happening in our culture in our community. On the other end, it's sometimes getting a watered down version of drag. And also, yes. like, I've been working with some of these drag queens in San Francisco who are legends and don't get any love in the media. Who've mm -hmm. been doing it before these queens from RuPaul, you know? Oh yeah, of course. RuPaul and people start drag because of RuPaul's Drag Race and they're so so young and it's like there's nothing wrong with that like that's right. so great that they're inspiring but like what is like I think to some people now it's like oh if you're not on RuPaul's Drag Race right like what are you doing and it's like well that's not the only thing like drag queens are performing they're getting yes. it they're like doing yeah. things they're I mean I think RuPaul's show was like a stepping stone and now Agreed. yeah like, you know, I hope that people will look at what RuPaul did and like, not elevate it, but like, evolve from it, like evolve what he did. Yeah, and evolve that whole narrative. Because like, I'll watch that show and a lot of the white drag queens mm -hmm. will make it further. Or a hey, lot which of story of reality television it oh just... yeah for <laughs> sure i mean and that's a, that's why we're having this conversation because that's something that like you know you know too i wanted to circle back to i think you might know more about this than i do is just kind of yeah. circling back to the theater world and i i just am kind of like a outsider looking at the theater i go i go to the theater from time to time and yeah. i think the stuff that i see is more so sort of indie like i'm not gonna go watch a production of the glass menagerie unless they're doing it in like an outer space queer vampire experience right I'm, like i'm i'm only gonna see the glass menagerie if it's like that to be honest i will yeah. only see any show if it's gonna be a queer vampire like <laughs> something like otherwise what are we doing we've done yeah, this already but we've heard theater this. is the most like i i have a lot of conversations with us about people on the show and other podcasts that i've done is that the lower the budget of the theater mm -hmm. company the mm -hmm. more diverse it yeah. is but you know what that's and that's yeah. i think that we see that everywhere though too like in any sort of media i think you could say that because like yeah. even like why you see diversity happening on TV faster than you see it in movies, right? Exactly, the exactly. are smaller. There's, you can, the art, it's more connected to whatever the artist wants to do and not some producer at the top who has no talent and only mm -hmm. cares about making money. Well, like when, uh, okay, so when Nikki James won uh, for Book of Mormon, that was mm -hmm. like the best speech I've ever heard about like the bumblebees. I totally want to take that one day. I would credit her, of course. But like, <laughs> she was thanking all these people that were white men. Like mm. all the producers in the audience, all the writers were white oh, men. Right, yeah. And like, mm -hmm. I'm an equity stage manager or mm -hmm. former equity stage manager. Snaps, and snaps, like, snaps. yes, and <laughs> a lot of us are white. Like we're all mm -hmm. white. Like mm -hmm. I know two black, no. Yeah, I know me, like two state, two uh, women of color stage managers in New York that mm -hmm. are working right now and mm -hmm. everybody else is white and like i've brought in that up and gotten attacked and like i've brought it like racism in theater only gets worse like as you go higher up like you open a broadway playbill and it's like and yeah. the production and team is all white. 
I wonder if that's because I think uh, art in general has had this era of neoliberalism. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. Oh, we already dealt with that whole entire thing. Like, you know, why are you still dealing with that, you know, issue? Yeah, of course. I, I do think, though, that is possibly because um, I think we're in like the sixth, you know, wave of civil rights happening right now yeah. uh, on the heels of what happened with George Floyd. Like, um, you know, even though we had had this wave before with Michael Brown, but I think um with that last with the michael brown wave it was like i know for myself i spent so much time having to explain to folks why black lives matter is true mm -hmm. whereas this go around i feel like over the past four years having these annoying conversations i feel like this time everyone was able to just jump on board and yeah i think that there are I, I feel i feel very hopeful about the conversations that i'm having it's easier to just now be like oh no this is racist or i think or at least i i'm i'm thinking that things are it's easier to jump to the chase now like you because everyone i think is for the most part on that same page mm -hmm. um i think it's easier people are like like oh no we need to have more diversity people are starting to get it now that they've been yeah. part of the problem and they want to be part of the solution yeah. um i think one one of the last things that i saw before i left new york that i thought was just so phenomenal and if this is the future of broadway let's go it was the production of west side story oh yes i saw that oh i have a lot of opinions oh okay okay i have a lot of <laughs> I have I think, so many opinions. Okay. About I think that. What was so interesting to me was just taking it was just pretty much all POCs on stage and I just was so beautiful to to see that I think like this whole entire cast normally and it makes me sad because of the coronavirus like there are, all these kids are not all these you know POC kids are not not working and um I just it really it, I love the usage of media and technology mm -hmm. and uh I just it had been a while I couldn't afford to get Hamilton tickets so this was as close as I was going to get to seeing so much <laughs> diversity of singing and dancing yeah. on stage since mm -hmm. in the heights. <laughs> well and that's a good point to bring up is that uh, I look at something like West Side Story. I'm looking at something like Hamilton and who it's geared towards. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking this is so great. It's so awesome that these shows are here. But can the people who they're geared towards mm -hmm. go see mm -hmm. them? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yes, I know exactly what you're you know? saying. And, and it's like, cause you're, you're, you're sitting there, you're watching this. You're like, oh, this is so amazing. And then you look around and you're like, well, look who's fucking watching this. Exactly. I, and it, like, I see um, this amazing, amazing show I saw um, with, uh, it was called What Gets Sent Up When It Comes Down. Oh, I think yes. I, I've, I wanted, I know that show. I know what you're talking yes, about. Yes, yes, yes. And like that show, you know, it's all about, you know, you walk into the lobby before and it's all black folks who were victims of police who were murdered by police and mm -hmm. like the show is all about racism and all about like I'm sure I'm getting a lot of this wrong but the show was not for me mm -hmm. and what I loved is that it was like me and one other white person in the sure. audience and yeah. like it was actually, but the show was with um, Ars Nova, I think, or with yes, they do yeah. amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah, they do amazing stuff, and like they made it affordable, so mm, everybody who it was yeah. geared towards 
could go, go see, see it. it. And yeah. like, that's such an important show to like have everybody go see. Like, even from an art, like if you take down the levels of like the issues it was talking about, just from like an art perspective of the way the show was constructed, sure, yeah, audience involvement, like it was beautiful. And so many shows like that could be produced on a higher level and they won't because uh, because like broadway is incredibly racist and very right. you know but it would well, I, yeah well i was just gonna say is i think you know broadway is just like any sort of unfortunately you know capitalist business sort of just like you know with hollywood is that like they're there to make money and i think what's promising though hopefully is hopefully they're seeing how much money hamilton has you know fucking made them um yeah but that's but once in a lifetime i, I feel like you know what i yeah, mean like yeah. that's uh i mean and i i think too you've pointed on something of again why sadly like i grew up in the theater i've been acting in the theater since i was four i was a munchkin in the whiz i've been mm-hmm. doing the theater thing yes. and but I had transitioned into, again, another reason why I transitioned into TV and film and you just kind of reminded me of that is its reach of, you know, I did a I did a theater festival in New York with the National Black Theater and it was an amazing experience to, mm-hmm. to be a part of it. But then at the end of it, like after that weekend of theater, I thought, um, wow, if you're not here in New York, you don't get to experience this. So exactly. it's and so, you know, what about that queer black kid in Nebraska who doesn't mm-hmm. have this access? And so that's why I, my main focus has been into, you know, TV and film and, and digital media because you can reach more people, sadly, with theater. It, it doesn't you don't have that um um, access so it, it maybe not be, might not be the best space for those of us on the fringe to have our stories and to make our our, our impact and unfortunately you know mm-hmm. oh yeah and it's uh, right now i think with this pandemic we're try- all trying to figure out ways where we can recreate a new theater world that yeah. is more digital but it isn't the same no. uh it's not the same Gosh, as in real could life. You imagine this could be the death of theater, or at least the pause on theater. Like theater was already kind of hanging by a shoestring. Oh well, theater is paused right now. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. It's. I mean, there are sh- readings going up and stuff like that. But, but I could see it. I could see theater. You know, maybe disappearing for our generation. To be honest, and like again, it already has been te- teetering on that because again, for access and and money, people are like, mm-hmm. well, I can just go. You know, make a film with you know my friends, and I you know w- you know like Tangerine. I mean, it's you know not perfect, but Tangerine was shot on a fucking iPhone. You know. Yeah. Um, and, and featured, you know, these trans women who were not paid adequately for the work that they were done. That's um, not okay. But... Not okay. But, you know, I, and so I guess I, it could be, and it's hard for me to say this because I'm a theater arts major. I love the theater, but mm-hmm. it wasn't acting right, you know, and I think there needs to, I think it's a bigger thing. And I don't know if we'll, we'll see this in our lifetime, but when you have other countries right now where you can, write a grant as an artist and they're going to help supplement like your income right now right like mm-hmm. they are having that right now in the uk and europe because they value art more mm-hmm. over there and so i think 
what needs to happen, what would be really nice is if there was more grants that could happen in the theater world, like if, if even for Broadway, that if there was some way that it could subsidize some of that money, because it's not like, you know, Broadway actors are like fucking millionaires. So oh, no, not at I all. don't know where all that fucking money is going. I don't understand. But because mm -hmm. tickets are so fucking expensive and it's so expensive mm -hmm. to produce this theater, which I don't. It's I don't labor costs, theater rentals, mm -hmm. like, thank you so so much for taking time uh, out of your day to come talk to me it's so nice to talk to another human it is as well oh and if i can plug you have to come yes. to my you have to come to minority corner you've got to come to the podcast to minority oh, corner okay. am i invited to the party you are always <laughs> invited to the party i adore you so much and we can have more of these minority corners just conversations like this but uh even more so I come it. on I over love it so much um <laughs> Well, what can, where can people find you? Where yes. can people find all of your things? All of the things. I, you, I do so many things. I also teach an, I teach Zoom dance classes Saturdays at 2 p.m. We do iconic choreography for the music videos you love, whether it's, you know, Pussycat Dolls, Britney Spears, Lady Gaga. We're doing it every month, a new routine. Classes are free, but you have to sign up to get the Zoom link because I don't okay. want any Zoom bombers. So you can go to my website, go to mjamesarthur.com to find out about that. Also, my podcast, my Minority Corner, uh, which talk about the news, pop culture, shit you didn't learn in history. It's been going for 250 episodes. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcast at. And uh, I'm also on Twitter at James Arthur M. So, Amazing. oh, wait. No, my Twitter is at James Arthur. See how much I use Twitter? My Twitter <laughs> is at James Arthur underscore M. And my Instagram is at James Arthur M. I use Instagram more than I use Twitter, but uh, mm -hmm. I'll try to tweet at you. And Minority Corner has the Instagram. Yes, it does. It's just Minority Corner. And Minority Corner, it's spelled with a K because the C was taken. Yes. Well, my the K sounds better. I think so too. It would be so weird. I looking back, I'm like, that was the best blessing that could have ever happened. Oh yeah, amazing. Well, thanks so much. It was great to see you. I'm all right, everyone. Thank you so, so much for listening to this week's episode of The Queerians. Once again, I'm your host, Sarah Brown. If you like what you hear, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. That all is the Queerians podcast. And make sure you subscribe to me on Anchor or Spotify or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Hope you're having a great day and I'll catch you in the next one. Bye.